Thanks for joining us for the LaCroix Family Podcast. This podcast goes with a blog that I've written for Celebrate Kids, and it's all about finding rest, even in the midst of busy times when physically it seems like we don't have time to get the physical rest that we need. Um, Ways that we can find rest for our weary souls, and we're going to be looking at nine different ways, nine different things that we can do to find rest and discussing um, how we find rest even in the midst of busy, busy times. If you're like our family, this summer has not been a great vacation. We've continued to work this summer through many home repairs and lots of unexpected circumstances. And it seems that life is always filled with with a a continual struggle of finding this balance between working hard, playing hard, and then obtaining the rest that we need. So thanks for joining us. I hope that you'll be blessed and encouraged with this episode and find some ways to find the rest that you need for your weary soul today. We've had seasons like this before where, you know, the list of tasks to be completed seems like it never ends and it seems overwhelming at times. It was sleepless nights with a newborn. Then when you have toddlers, it's potty training. Then when you have a preteen, it's the unending questions and full schedules when you have an active high schooler who's involved in a lot of activities and things. So we realize that in each stage of life, with children especially, there's another kind of busy. Every stage is just a different kind of busy. And many of us, especially as parents, we're just continually adjusting to these new seasons and new schedules and new challenges that come with life. You might be in the midst of sending graduates off to college for the first time this fall, or maybe you're planning a wedding, or maybe you're welcoming grandbabies or caring for aging parents. In each stage of life, we have to find new ways to balance work and play and rest. And often, just when we seem to have found that balance and seem like we maybe have mastered a good schedule, then change comes again. So perhaps this struggle to find balance in each new stage, um, you know, maybe this is something that you can relate to, but maybe it's not something that you can relate to uh, because maybe your life doesn't change very much. Maybe your life is very much the same day to day and year to year. I know some friends have um, children or, or they themselves deal with a chronic disability that maybe makes life very monotonous and life doesn't change a lot from year to year or month to month. And so you might be one of those that, that um, doesn't understand this idea of change from one season to, a ne- to the next as much. You might long to have the knowledge that life would change at some point in time, but instead, you know, you find yourself in a situation where maybe it seems like there is no end in sight. And if only you could see a light at the end of the tunnel, you think maybe you could press on long enough to reach that next season. But the end of the tunnel might seem too far away, and maybe you only see the darkness of the circumstances that seem to never end. So whether you're trying to find balance in a new stage of life or whether you're trying to just find new ways to persevere through a seemingly unending trial, 
the task of finding strength to keep working, finding time to enjoy some play now and then, and finding calm in which to rest is similar for all of us. So how do we find ways to rest when life seems like we can't attain this balance so often? How do we find the energy to keep going? Many of us like to wake up in the morning with a cup of coffee and maybe in the evening then we wind down with a glass of alcohol. Those are fairly common ways that people attempt to overcome this struggle of gearing up and waking up and getting going in the morning and then trying to relax and rest in the evening. And these remedies can sometimes lead to a cycle of dependence that really only drains us even further. I know for myself, having that glass, that cup of coffee, I started to do a couple of years ago. And even though it was just a small amount of coffee, really my husband calls it brown water, but even that little bit of coffee um, seemed to have actually, the long-term effect was a negative effect. And so I've recently given that up because it was not the solution that I had hoped it would be. So we might find that the things that we go to for remedies to help us find the energy that we need or to help us wind down and relax, that those might be things that actually harm more than, more than they help. But without renouncing that enjoyment of a wonderful cup of coffee or that small glass of wine that maybe you enjoy, I want to give you hope that there might be other solutions that are possibly even better than that coffee or that wine that you desire. Could it be possible that something better exists to help you get going each morning, to sustain you throughout the day, to help you rest better at night? And I'm not making a sales pitch here for some new product, but I do hope that we will seriously consider whether there is real hope for our souls and our minds and our bodies to find healthy ways to recharge and to renew our strength and then rest when we need rest without simply resigning ourselves to dependence on some substance to help us get through the day or get to sleep at night. Many people tell us that rest will be found in self-care or maybe decluttering or eliminating stress from our lives. And these might all be good things. They might suggest that taking a relaxing bath, watching a movie, planning a night out with friends, adding in time for fun and creativity into your life, that those are your solution to the rest that you might think that you need and that those things will fulfill your desires. And those can all be helpful things and there's nothing wrong with any of those things in and of themselves. And some of them might have very significant benefits or even be necessary at times. I know there have been times where taking a weekend away for a women's retreat with some friends or just even by myself. There was one year that I took a retreat, weekend retreat, and went by myself and just had a whole weekend to relax and focus on my relationship with God and just renewing my heart and my mind and my soul and my spirit. And that was a very necessary thing at that point in my life. Very helpful for me. But what I've found is that those are often short-term solutions and they tend to not be long-term solutions. Even the best of those things still only last for a while. Some of the stressors in life just can't simply be eliminated. Sometimes whether it's 
your spouse's job or a family illness, a chronic illness, or something else that that you just can't eliminate from your life, um, that it's not realistic to eliminate that stress, you have to continue to bear through it and persevere through it. And a weekend retreat might provide that boost that you need to persevere through a season. Um, A warm bath can certainly help you physically relax at the end of the day. But if I'm merely attempting to escape reality, as we sometimes do, where we just want to have an escape for a certain amount of time, then if I also allow myself to become lazy or selfish in my attempts to find rest and my self-care turns to selfish care, then it might only make matters worse. So if I'm attempting to escape reality and simply ignore the stresses in my life for a time, I might find that when I return to reality, now there's less time and less energy and even more tasks to be done. I'm learning that the kind of rest that I truly seek is more of what some call a spiritual discipline or a practice. I recently read an excerpt from Ruth Haley Barton's book, An Invitation to Retreat, on justbetweenus.org, which is one example of someone who defines this rest as a spiritual discipline or spiritual practice. Barton states, Retreat as a spiritual practice is not a vacation. It is not just a day at the spa or on the golf course. It is coming home to ourselves in God's presence and resting there. Does this thought of resting in God's presence resonate with you? Or have you already begun thinking that I'm just suggesting another thing that you have to add to your to-do list? Or maybe you've already put this idea in a category with various forms of yoga or positive thinking that have become so popular. But what I'm talking about here, we need to define what I mean here by this concept of spiritual practice or a spiritual discipline. And to define it with a little more detail and clarify exactly how it differs from things like yoga or simple um, open-mindedness or positive thinking. I've experienced moments in my life when I simply wanted to give up, to resign myself to the fact that moving forward was just too difficult and that I was too weak or too weary to press on. I've fought against the tendency to believe that the effort wasn't worth the reward and I've struggled in those moments to take just one step in the right direction. It took some resolve, some grit you might call it, to take just one step. But choosing to take that one step and then another step to move forward when everything within me wanted to quit. That's what I think of as discipline. An athlete practices a skill day after day, regardless of the pain or the effort that he needs to expend, practices day after day in order to perfect his skill and achieve success. We call this discipline. He perseveres despite any pain that comes. He stays focused on the goal and he doesn't allow anything to distract him from his goal. If you watched the Olympics over the summer, you saw the results of those people who persevered and practiced for years to excel and achieve the goals that they had for themselves in that sport. In Hebrews 12, starting in verse 1, it says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles us. 
and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. And have you completely forgotten this word of encouragement that addresses you as a father addresses his son? It says, My son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline, and do not lose heart when he rebukes you, because the Lord disciplines the one he loves, and he chastens everyone he accepts as his son. Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as his children. For what children are not disciplined by their father? If you are not disciplined and everyone undergoes discipline, then you are not legitimate, not true sons and daughters at all. Moreover, we have all had human fathers who disciplined us, and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the Father of Spirits and live? The first analogy that's listed in this passage in Hebrews 12 is of a runner running a race, and it talks of, let us run with perseverance, the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus. That analogy of a runner is repeated in 1 Corinthians chapter 9 in verses 24 through 27. And the Apostle Paul asks, Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I stroke a blow to my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. God tells us that his grace is sufficient, that his power is made perfect in our weakness. This is in 2 Corinthians 12, verse 9. So what does this look like in reality? How does the grace and the power of God manifest in our lives to overcome our weaknesses? When we talk about spiritual disciplines, we often refer to a different mindset, to changing our thought processes. I'm reminded of verses such as Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6, where it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. Often it is my own understanding, or rather often my lack of understanding, of the evil in the world around me that causes me to grow weary. When I allow too many negative inputs and listen to the wrong sources of information, I find myself thinking of other people as ignorant or evil rather than seeing them as image bearers of God. If I listen too often to what's on the news and begin to think of people as, as less than or unworthy, I fail to see them as the image bearers of God that they truly are. But when I instead remind myself of the truth in God's word and I remember that God is in control and that each person I encounter is made in the image of God, then I can feel that burden lift a little. When I think of evil as something that has already been defeated, I'm no longer overwhelmed by discouragement. 
When I think of God's faithfulness throughout history, and I remember how he has rescued his people again and again, and I remember how he's redeemed the pain that they've suffered, and he used it for good, then my spirit is lifted. I've recently been reading through the Bible chronologically, and over and over the Israelites sin, even when God is faithful and he proves his love for them in miraculous ways over and over again. They continue to grumble. They continue to fail. They continue to rebel. And I think of God's faithfulness throughout history, and he rescues his people over and over and over again. And he redeems the pain that they've suffered, and he uses that pain for good. And so when I read in the Bible about the Israelites, about Joseph or Moses or Esther or Paul, or I read books about other missionaries in more recent days that God has sustained those missionaries through great hardships, I remember that God provides all that we need. In Matthew eleven twenty eight, Jesus tells us to come unto me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I notice here that we find rest for our souls. It is our souls that really need rest, and it is only by coming to God that we will find rest for our souls. Only by coming to God that we will find rest for our souls. 2 Corinthians 4, 16-18 are some of my favorite verses. In verse 16, we read a separation between body and soul, where it says, Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. So while our bodies, the outward part of us, becomes weaker, our spirits, what's inside, is being strengthened and renewed day by day. It may be easier to focus on physical strength, and while physical exercise and physical training can be very beneficial and very necessary, if we prioritize physical strength over our spiritual health, we may still feel weak and weary. We also see in these verses the idea that the burden that we bear is described as light. Verse 17 of 2 Corinthians describes it this way, For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal weight of glory that far outweighs them all. So when I look at my life from the perspective of eternity, I can view the burdens of today as temporary, momentary, and light. When I see the reality of who I am as being just one small part of the body of Christ, I am merely, as the Bible describes, a blade of grass or a flower that's here today and gone tomorrow. And I realize that these struggles, which seem so large to me now, they're really, in, in light of eternity, they're really very small and light. And I know that's a hard concept to grasp when those burdens seem so heavy and they seem so big to us right now. But we have to remember eternity that eternity is so much longer, so much greater than anything that we'll experience in this world. When our kids are little and they demand so much of our time and attention, we can feel desperate for just a few moments away from them. I remember times when I took my kids to church or to preschool or I finally found a babysitter and I just wanted a few moments to think only about myself. 
just to think about my own needs and meet my own needs and fulfill my own desires. But what I found is that when I pursued only the selfish momentary pleasures that I thought I desired, I still didn't feel rested. But when I sought out renewal from God, my soul was renewed. Isaiah 40:31 states that those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will mount up with wings as eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. Other versions say it this way, that those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength. So when we place our hope in the Lord, when we look at that, at, at life in view of eternity, and our hope is in something greater than what this world has to offer, when we come to Him with our troubles, when we trust in Him and we wait for His provision, when we recognize that He is the source of our strength, and we remind ourselves of an eternal perspective, God not only renews our spirits, but He gives us strength to keep running the race. Paul says in Philippians 3, I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control, will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. So even our bodies are strengthened and renewed through God's strength and not our own. When God calls us to a task, he will give us what we need to accomplish it. So God commands us to rest. He gave us the example of taking a full day to rest after six days of very productive work. Six very productive days. It's amazing all that he accomplished in six days. And that as an example of, of how we should work for six days. And I think, do I really work that hard for six days? <laughs> Not usually. But he established this as a pattern of us working hard for six days and then taking a full day of rest on the seventh day. And this pattern is something that is hard to achieve in our world today when, when every day is filled with so much busyness. But the Bible tells us in Psalm 46.10 that we are to be still and know that I am God. God tells us to be still and know that he is God. And I think that seventh day of rest is when we're supposed to stop, to be still, and to acknowledge that God is in control, that he is God, and that no matter how hard we want to try to work on that seventh day, it's not going to help us be more productive because God's the one that's in control. He's the one that makes our work productive or not productive. So, there have been various points in my life where I've asked myself questions like this. Am I being productive? Am I working six days and being productive for six full days out of the week? Am I resting for a full day after a long week of work? Is this still an effective pattern for us to follow? As a parent, is it even possible to maintain this pattern when the demands of our children never stop? Our kids don't stop needing to eat on that seventh day of the week. So I turned to scripture for answers, and what I found is at least nine solutions or commands that are tied to finding rest for our weary soul. And so some of these I've already mentioned, but let me list them out 
with nine ways to find rest for our weary souls. Number one, throw off anything that hinders. And this is from that chapter in Hebrews chapter 12. We need to get rid of the things that weigh us down. And I'm not convinced that God is telling us here to declutter our homes or to just throw away our stuff, even though sometimes that might be helpful and that might be needed. But it's not physical stuff that we need to throw off. The real culprit in these verses is very clearly the sin that so easily entangles us. It's our struggle with sin that weighs us down and that burdens us. So get rid of the sin in your life and throw off that burden that is keeping you weighing you down and hindering you from doing the good work that God has and the blessings that God has for you to do. Number two, look around you at others who've done this before. That phrase in Hebrews 12 where it says, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, it reminds me that others are watching my life and they're being either encouraged or discouraged by my choices. There have been times in my life where I've been very discouraged by the choices of friends that I thought were on the right path, but then when they chose something that was clearly not a good choice, it doesn't inspire me to do the right thing. So when we choose to do what's right and good, when we choose to do what's right and good, we encourage others to make those good choices as well. And similarly, if we make bad choices, it might hinder others from from continuing to persevere if we don't persevere also. If I look to missionaries who've persevered through significant trials, or I look to some of the saints, older saints in my church who faithfully serve week after week and year after year, and they give to the church, I'm encouraged by their endurance and by their sacrifice and the example that they provide. Our family has enjoyed reading many stories about missionaries that have served all across the globe, throughout the world, and many of them having gone through very significant challenges and hardships, but yet they endured and they were greatly blessed as a result of enduring through those hardships and continuing to serve and make good choices day after day, week after week, year after year. So look to those people, find stories, find those people who are living, living lives with endurance and faithfulness. Number three, fix your eyes on Jesus. Follow his example. He endured the cross in faith, knowing that joy would follow. So believe just as Jesus did that there is a joy waiting for you that is far greater than any pain that you feel right now. Number four, embrace God's discipline. God disciplines the people that he loves. Instead of leaving us in a state of immaturity, he chastens and rebukes us and he causes us to grow and learn and become better than we were before. And did you know that even Jesus learned obedience through suffering? This was something I didn't learn until maybe seven or eight years ago. Hebrews chapter five, verse eight says that Jesus, even Jesus learned obedience through suffering. So surely we too can learn from whatever hardship we face and we can embrace those hardships as they can help us to grow. Number five, pursue the prize. It's okay to desire heavenly rewards. Paul says, as I read in 1 Corinthians 9, he says, we do it to get a crown that will last forever. So it's not just for temporary rewards that we have here on earth, even though there will be some of those also, but this is for an eternal 
reward. This is a crown that lasts forever. It's worth the pursuit of that prize. Number six, know that God is enough. His grace is sufficient. His power is made perfect in our weakness. He is all we need. Second Corinthians 12, 9 tells us this. And in Matthew eleven twenty eight, God tells us again, Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. Matthew uses the analogy here of a yoke. Most of us know what a yoke looks like and how two animals work side by side when they're yoked together. And the stronger animal leads, and sometimes the stronger animal might have a tendency to pull too fast and to go too fast so that the other has difficulty keeping up. But it says here that God's yoke is easy, that he is gentle and humble. So even though God is so much stronger than, than us, stronger than anything that we can even imagine, he's gentle and humble and he won't ever make us falter because he won't ever go faster than what we can handle. Number seven, focus your efforts on resting your soul more than resting your body. When we're weary, we often think that a physical remedy will be the cure. But, you know, how often have you reached for that energy drink or that cup of coffee or maybe a chocolate bar or something like that, thinking that um, that, that was going to be the cure, but then you just have a crash an hour or two later and it, it makes it sometimes even worse. But then think of the times when you've just been able to change your thoughts, when something happened or someone brought up a thought or something came into your mind that gave you an adrenaline rush that spurred you on to do the work that you needed and it kept you going and it overcomes, overcame any weariness or any physical um, weariness that you might have had because your mind was able to overcome that weariness. It's our minds and our souls most often that really need rest. So turn off the news when you're getting weary from it and instead turn to God. Put away your computer screens and instead open your Bible. Rest your soul by coming to God. Recognize that your body and your spirit are moving in opposite directions. While one is wasting away and getting older and getting more frail and more weak every day, the other is being renewed and growing stronger day by day. This is where I see these older women, older saints that have this inner strength that is just amazing, that you see how they can endure the difficulties of physical pain or whatever hardship it might be that they have in their life, but they endure it with a smile on their face. I will never forget sweet woman at a nursing home that we visited regularly in Lake Worth, Texas, and she couldn't communicate much. But one thing she could communicate, she had such a sweet smile and she could look at you with the smile and she could point to heaven and, and say, love you too, love you too. And that was the one thing that she always could say, love you too. And I would tell her, God loves you. And she would nod with a huge smile and say, love you too. And it was the sweetest thing. And I could tell that even though she was enduring great pain, and the inability to communicate any of her needs, she had a smile on her face and she was trusting God and she was still believing that God loved her and still demonstrating love to others in the best way that she could. Number eight, check your perspective of time. Again, 
we are in a temporary situation. These burdens that we have here on earth are temporary. They will end someday. Thank God for that. Remember eternity and put whatever trial that you're facing right now into the perspective of the eternal weight of glory that awaits those who persevere. Number nine, put your hope in the Lord. Wait on him to provide. Remember the servant also in Luke 17, verses 7 through 10. The servant worked in the field and then he came in to serve his master. He didn't rest himself until after the master's needs had all first been met. God has a purpose for your life. He has work for you to accomplish. He's provided all the resources that you need to get it done and he expects you to do it. In verse 6 of Luke 17, just prior to this description of the servant working for his master, Jesus tells us, If you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree, Be uprooted and planted in the sea, and it will obey you. Some friends of ours who serve as missionaries in Guatemala seem to have endless strength to accomplish the work that God has set before them. Every time we speak with them, they talk of how God continues to provide the health and the strength that they need to persevere. Even though their bodies might appear to be physically weak, they attest to the fact that God gives them everything they need to accomplish the work that He has for them. And I know that God will give you everything that you need to accomplish the work that He has for you. He promises it, and He never fails to keep His promise. So wait on Him, hope in Him, trust Him to provide. Come to Him and let your strength be renewed in Him. Be still and know that He is God. Take all your cares and burdens to Him, and you'll find rest for your weary souls. Thanks for listening today. I hope that this encourages you and strengthens you and that it will help you to find ways to find true rest in your life and for your soul. Have a great day.